0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Greatest Games on the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, with me is Jonathan Wilson, and with us today is Colin Udo, a very well-traveled journalist from Nigeria, contributor to ESPN, the Blizzard and many more, and was previously the press officer to the Nigeria national team. Colin, a pleasure to have you on the pod.
1: Oh, thank you very much, I'm very, very happy to be here.
0: Today we go back to July 1996, a very warm day, no doubt, in Georgia, in the United States, for the semi-final of the football tournament, the Olympic Games that finished Nigeria four, Brazil three. Colin, why have you chosen this match?
1: I think there's such a lot to take from this game because um, if we go back, this was more like you know the beginning of Nigeria's golden generation. Uh, If we recall, in 1994 the core of this team, uh, well, this, what became the core of this team, had won the um, Africa Cup of Nations. And then, you know, uh, when they um, started qualifying for the Olympic Games, it started with some local base players and then things kind of went pear-shaped during qualifying and they had to pull in the big guns. And then from there, you know, the team was renamed the Dream Team because, I mean, these guys were, we looked at them as the cream of the crop. When they won the AFCON, in 94, they were in their early 20s, going into uh, mid-20s. So this was a generation that everybody just felt had so much promise and could do such a lot. So um, when they went to Atlanta, they went with that promise of you know being able to um, sort of conquer the world. I don't think anybody expected um, them to go and win the gold medal, but we did expect they would do great things um, in uh, at the Olympic Games. So uh, by the time they got to that quarterfinal against Brazil, Jeez, the anticipation everywhere was massive. It was, uh, and they were also in the same group with Brazil, to whom they had lost very narrowly by a 1-0 scoreline. So there were some expectations that, one, this could either be a revenge game or it could be an absolute battering of Nigeria. <laughs> so we, we did have a bit of mixed feelings going in there. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, I, mean, I mean, and then the way everything played out, uh, the whole... I mean, it was like one of the most dramatic games in the history of nigeria football going back as far as i mean the the closest i can think of was under 20 world cup in 89 where we had the miracle of the man which was one that i would have chosen but i'm not so sure many people would um would remember that game going back that far so maybe i can come on again and talk about that one sometime in the future (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, absolutely i mean jonathan this it was a fantastic game it's a fan two sides full of Household names, we'll come to that in a bit. But Nigeria, they created history. They became the first African side to win the Olympic gold in, in the football. And and they were a joy to watch this this side.
2: Oh, they really were. I mean, I remember this quite clearly that I I don't think I'd watch any of the football of 92 Olympics. I just don't think Olympic football, mm-hmm. certainly in Britain, was taken seriously mm. at all. But this game, um, I was actually on, I was on Sutherland's pre-season tour of Ireland. Um <laughs> And so I I, I I sort of remember with being with loads of Sunland fans watching this game. And, and there was a real sort of everyone to see, I mean, both Brazil and Nigeria, because everybody could see these were really good teams. They were really fun to watch. Uh, and so it's the first time I remember Olympic football sort of capturing the imagination. Now, maybe that's a very British way of looking at it. Clearly, you know, people in Eastern Europe had, had, had taken huge interest in, in, in Olympic football, in the 70s and 80s, um, I, I, Zambia and 88 had clearly been a big story as well. But I, I think this Nigeria side um, had really sort of captured the imagination. And of course, I mean, and Colin, maybe you can explain a bit more about this. But the fact that they hadn't taken part of the Couple of Nations in 96, the fact that they'd been withdrawn from that, did, did that create an extra sense of anticipation, extra pressure on them?
1: Um, I think it was just motivation because, like you said, um, CAF had banned the, um, I mean, um, the president at the time, Sania Abacha, had uh, prevented the, um, the team from going to defend their African Nations Cup title in South Africa because of the issues um, between Nigeria, the political issues between Nigeria and South Africa at the time. So... Um, with Abacha preventing the team from going, you had all of this hula balo and then calf handing Nigeria. I think a two a two um, th- three tournament ban from the Afcon. So um I and mean, maybe we should
2: just explain what that was. So um Sani Abacha Bacha is sort of a military leader. Um Kensawawiwa was a, a novelist who had protested against was exploitation of oil rights in, in his part of Nigeria. And he he'd been he'd been executed by the state. Uh, Nelson Mandela, who was at the time president of South Africa, had been very critical of that, and so Abacha withdrew Nigeria mm-hmm. from a couple of nations happening in South Africa, and then CAF subsequently banned them from from future tournaments.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that, that that ban was for three tournaments, and um, Abacha, being the dictator he was, wasn't very happy about that, and so uh, well about the um, uh, about Mandela's um, position, so he withdrew the country from the Afcon, and well CAF you know, took action, banned Nigeria for three tournaments. And so luckily for us, that um ban did not extend to FIFA or the Olympic Games. So Nigeria still participated. So, yeah, there was some extra motivation from uh, the Nigeria team to go there and make a point because I, I think up until now, there's still the feeling in Nigeria that if the Super Eagles had been in South Africa in 96, um, South Africa would not have won that tournament. So, I mean, this goes back and forth between Nigerians and South Africans. So I think the point there that the players wanted to prove was, look, we can go and we can conquer the world and we can show that, yes, we were, we should have been deserved champions of the African. And so that provided an extra layer of motivation for them going into those games against Brazil.
0: Yeah, a lot of political ramblings, as you say, going on there, and and also the the, the national team itself w- perhaps wasn't in great shape. So there was talk, um, Colin, that there was financial financial difficulties for the team with regards to say things like transport and equipment. And the manager, um, Johannes, <coughs> excuse me, Johannes Bonfreira, uh, the was it Dutchman who was in charge of of Nigeria. He he resigned, but then was persuaded to stay on. Is that right,
1: Colin? Oh yeah, look, trust me, there's um Nigeria doesn't go into any major tournaments without some sort of um you know, simmering crises to bring under the surface, (laughs) you know, for some, I I think we even do better at this tournament when we have this crisis, (laughs) because, (laughs) because look, you look at the Afcon in 94 that we won, there was crisis going in, you look at the World Cup when um, we did what what up until that was our best performance, there was crisis going on, and then you look at the Olympic Games, there was crisis, but the tournaments where we've actually gone, Without anything, any crisis happening, you know, we tend to, to leave early, you know, so, but yeah, all of these things were going on. And um, uh, you know, I don't know if you recall, but in the, in the friendly leading up to um, uh, the tournament, their final friendly at home against Togo, the team were beaten at home in Lagos and that caused such, you know, a huge backlash that I think it sort of lit a fire under their their behinds as they left for for, for the USA uh, because then it was just crazy. So I think the team also took that as um, additional motivation. But yes, um, there were all of these things going on.
0: Mm. well it's interesting you say that they you know off the back of a crisis they go to the tournament but you mentioned the usa there and taribo west said looking back on the tournament years later that their preparation was actually very good and he said they went to america which meant and i use his words they were not distracted by the usual things that they encounter back home in nigeria where family and friends come um and uh, and visit us in the camp and, and so on so clearly um bon uh, preparation you know he knew what was perhaps best for the side but i mean there was problems sorry
2: but there was problems with the hotels wasn't there that the first hotel they went to the brazil women's team was there and they sort of had priority so they moved to another hotel which was like a a motel that people would book out by the hour maybe mm. is the politest way of putting it which obviously is is not ideal yeah so i mean the there were there were definitely sort of mm-hmm. logistical issues going on,
0: but I think he said they ended up in the if I'm right in saying Colin, like as he described it, in the middle of nowhere, it was quite a remote place, which again was away from a lot of the sort of distractions and and whatnot,
1: oh yeah, I mean, look, uh, um back in those days uh, you know things were not quite the same as they were, and um even if they were look you you get to a place like the u s a and it's just not the same as having them camp in in Nigeria because look even up until now um you camp a team in Lagos you're not ready because mm-hmm. up until um what um i mean like the the last time the team played what which was a few weeks ago when they played the afcon the final round of afcon qualifiers in lagos the hotel was swarmed swarmed by um, people friends relatives all sorts and they had to bring in extra security so when you when you put them in Nigeria, you're asking for all of this to happen. But mm-hmm. when you go abroad, um, whether it's in the middle of the city or out um, in you know some you know far flung camping um, mm-hmm. location, you're not going to have quite the same crowd. So yes, in that sense, I mean it, it it was good. But don't forget they left quite close to the kickoff of the tournament. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. so yeah, because they were in Lagos, they played that friendly game. They got beaten by Togo. All all hell broke loose. And then they had to leave in a hurry to um to the USA.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, he took quite the side with him though, uh, Jonathan. I mean, he, he, the names just sort of roll off the tongue uh, in this Nigeria squad, as they do for with other uh, squads who were at the tournament. Babayaro, West, Amanike, Babangida, Jaja, Kotchik, Paber, Amakachi. I mean, suddenly Alicia, Nwankwakaru. I mean, this all these players who were in this uh, side, or, or most of them, I should say, went on to play in Europe or were playing in Europe, but not just Europe, some top sides.
1: You know, even at the time and when you when you think of it now, because I mean hindsight always gives you better perspective. Mm. So when you think about it now, you think, oh wow, that was a team. But if they didn't win the Olympic Games, they probably wouldn't be rolling off the tongue so so easily. But mm. Nigeria's already recognized that these guys could be great. And that's why it was because of all of them that the team was renamed the Dream Team. Mm. Prior to that we had Olympic teams before them with some great players. I mean, the likes of um, Etimesin, um, Mondo Diaka, Samson Siasia had played in Olympic squads before, but none was called the dream team. Mm-hmm. But we looked yeah. at this squad. We saw what they did, you know, winning the AFCON in 94, you know, and then the additional players that came along and people just felt, oh, wow, this team mm-hmm. can do great things. And they, they, we call them the dream team. So they are forever our dream team. Oh, all the teams that have come after them, the Olympic teams have been called dream teams, but they've all had dream team two, dream team three. But this <laughs> was the original dream team. And it was for that for that reason.
0: This was the original one. There was no, I can't believe it's not the dream team. This was the, the real <laughs> McCoy um, who, uh, you know, obviously went on uh, to win the gold. Okay, chaps, let's have a, a quick break and then we'll talk about the match itself against Brazil. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the greatest games on the blizzard. So we've uh, mentioned their opponents a few times Jonathan um, and we've obviously talked about the players that were in the Nigeria squad um let's talk about some of the players that were in the Brazilian side uh, because it makes the victory even more impressive
2: Oh again I mean you you read down that list of names and Gida Aldaer, Roberto Carlos uh, Janinho, uh, Bebeto Ronaldo although in, he's he you know he goes by the name Ronaldinho at this point yeah. that he he's still somehow the second Ronaldo. He's got to grow into the title of real Ronaldo. Um So yeah, it's. Uh, Did uh, you mention Rivaldo? Uh, Rivaldo came off the bench, didn't he? That's right.
1: Yeah, 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 Rival- yeah Rival- Rivaldo came off the bench at the time.
0: I mean, it, yeah. it's a star-studded lineup. It's ridiculous. Even the manager, Mario Zagallo, who had won the uh, the World Cup, obviously as a player, but as a manager in '94. I mean, again, the, the, this this side, you know, these are. Brazil were world champions at this point. Obviously, some of those players, or, or a number of them, didn't really sort of feature. I mean, Ronaldo was a, what is he, 16-year-old? He didn't kick a ball, I don't think, in USA 94. But the fact is, um, Colin, you know, they had won the World Cup and they had won it in the United States only two years previously. So it all boded very, very well for this Brazil side.
1: Oh, yeah, certainly, Look, I mean, and that's part of why... You know, when we were putting the same group with Brazil, everybody thought, okay, um, it's good for us to meet them in the group stage so we don't have to meet them um, maybe until, someone in the, until the final or something, or someone knocks them out. And then it, it turned out that we met them at the group stage, and then we had to meet them again <laughs> at the semifinal, just because of the way the bracket was at the time. But mm. I think um, the first game where we only lost by um, a goal Mm -hmm. People thought, okay, well, I think we can compete with these guys, you know. And then so by the time this second game rolled around, there was a bit more confidence, you know, that maybe, you know, maybe we could just um, sneak something past these guys. But at the same time, because I remember I was in um, the southern city of Port Harcourt with my friends, I think we are in university or something, watching the game. And just before the game, um, I think a few guys were saying, man, these guys are going to kill us. They will murder us. You know, so because, I mean, Rivaldo, you, so you've got Ronaldo, you've got Roberto, you've got Juninho, his free kicks are going to be deadly. You've got Zimaria. Uh, so it was just crazy. So when the game started, anyway, I think we're going to get to that. But yes, um, you look at all the star names that Brazil had, and mm. trust me, there were a few. There were quite a few trembling. Um, <laughs> no, trembling I'm, but sure,
0: I'm sure there were. I'm
2: sure there were. I mean, do- I, mean I, I guess the point about that group game mm. is that, if if that had been a draw, mm. Brazil were out mm. uh, because they'd lost their first game to Japan. So the group ended up with three teams: Japan, Ni- yeah, Japan, Nigeria, Brazil, mm-hmm. all on six points. Um, and and so yeah, Brazil could have been eliminated. And so this, I mean, the story is that Joe Bonfa was was furious after that game. He's going around, you know, kicking chairs, kicking lockers, thinking this was our opportunity to, to put Brazil out. Um, and then yeah, they have to have to play them again. Yeah,
0: well, I, it, it's true, and we should also say that Brazil really wanted to win this tournament. Often we can say, "Oh, well, is it a bit like last?" I know we've listed some of the names, and of course they were all quite young at the time. But Brazil, the Olympic gold medal, Jonathan had had evaded Brazil for for many many years. In fact, they had to wait until what 2016, I think, to finally win it.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and it was a real sort of. Um... And it become this sort of quest for them. So if you, mm. in 2016, they uh, they take a weakened team to the Copa America Centenario, you know, that, that special centenary Copa America they had in, in the US again. Uh, but they sent a weakened team to that so they could send a, a stronger side to the Olympics because they were so desperate to win Olympic gold. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, it, 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 even at this stage, it was a thing that they, they felt they should have won and hadn't. Mm. And so they were putting a lot of resources in, into trying to win it. Yeah. So let's and, and I think let, oh, part yeah. of what,
1: all, oh, yeah. because, you know, they, they, they were thinking, I mean, they had like, maybe that a part, I don't know, but I think there were reports that they were actually looking ahead of Nigeria to Argentina, because they felt that, you know, Argentina were, would be mm-hmm. like the, the, the biggest stumbling block they would have to winning the um the, the Olympic medal. So I think maybe they were thinking a bit, you know, one, one step too far at the time. Well,
0: quite possibly, yeah.
1: Because you remember, I mean, I know we're going to get into this maybe during the game, but remember that you know when they were leading three one, they mm-hmm. took out, um, I think it was well, Bebeto, took out, um, I think they took out um, a couple of players, and then things just went to went to pieces from there.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, of course, Argentina were the, the the other finalists, but it wouldn't be that um, South American sort of Clasico. It would it would be Nigeria. But this game gets underway, and within two minutes, uh, Brazil are a goal up. Flavio Flavio South scores from a free kick. Uh, Jonathan, which the goalkeeper wasn't best pleased about with his wall, was he? When <laughs> the look, yeah, I face. mean it's
2: <laughs> it's a low free kick from thirty yards, and mm. Flavio Conceição catches the ball very well, but it it's low and it just goes through a hole in the wall. Um, Bounces before a it goes in. Yeah, there is a Brazilian in the wall who sort of creates the gap, mm. uh, and I'm not sure if it just takes a slight deflection off the wall as well. Like I, I kind of from one angle it looks like it does, and one angle it looks like it doesn't. But yeah, the keeper's completely unsighted, um, Dosu, and there's not really anything he can do.
1: Yeah, I think he took uh, from from the back, from the back of the. I think he took a slight deflection off the toe of, um, mm-hmm. I think that was Uche Okechuku or somebody else. But they looked to be like a little bit tiniest of deflections that just um, turned the turned yeah. the direction a little bit.
2: But it, it's it's one of those goals that they kind of you just sort of think. I mean, Brazil haven't done anything brilliant there. No, It's just a goal that's gone in and it just sort of feels kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, if we we made the wall better, if a a free kick had been four inches to one side or the other, it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have gone in. And I think it's one of those really, especially when you're the the underdog, to concede a goal like that so early must be so deflating.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Colin, you watching that, you know, as you say, the mighty Brazil that had already beaten Nigeria two minutes in, a bit of a cheap point. You, you must have just sunk, your heart must have just sunk and thought, oh no, how many is it going to be today?
1: Exactly. Look, we're sitting down there watching the game and we're thinking, oh man, now we're going to get a battering. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> and, you know, speaking to um, Joseph Dosu, <laughs> the goalkeeper a few years after, he told me that he felt like, you know, taking a whip to all of the defenders in the world because he kind of, he was warning them, you know, he was yelling at them to get that guy off the wall or someone should block him, and nobody did. And when he came, he was really, he was humping, <laughs> hopping mad.
0: <Yeah. laughs> and so he should have been. They really uh, did him a disservice there. Um, but, but I mean, not to, I mean, trying to find highlights of this of this game, you, you you can find them, of course, on, on YouTube and whatnot. Um, but not long after um, it goes one all, that Nigeria get themselves back into the game, uh, and they equalise, and it's a Roberto Carlos own goal, Jonathan, um, which you, you might not expect. with such a poor clearance from him, a, a, an accomplished defender whacking it in the, the back of his own net, sort of with no pressure on him.
2: Well, there's there's no direct pressure, but mm. it's it's a horrible ball to deal with. Yeah. Um, it's it is it it's Babanguida, isn't it? Is it Babanguida or is it Babayaro down the left? No, it
1: was Babayaro.
2: Babayaro. Hmm. See, Babiaro on the left comes into the box, drives it across towards the back post. Mm -hmm. And I guess Roberto Carlos thinks he has to go for it because he doesn't know what's behind him. And it's it's just... The ball's in an awkward area. He sticks a foot out and it, it ends up flying. I'll be honest into with you, it, it reminded
0: me of that moment against Denmark in the quarterfinal of France '98 when he tries to overhead kick it away and he fluffs it and it falls to Brian Laudrup who <laughs> smashes it in the roof of the net. I can't believe his luck. It's just a little bit of rush of blood from Roberto Carlos. He's an incredible defender, you know, very, very uh, well decorated footballer. But to me, there was just a little bit of a shade of mm, he could have that rush of blood every now and then.
2: I think you're being harsh there. I think I think that's a right, really okay. awkward position for him. Right. I, I, I say as a as a former fullback of no repeat whatsoever. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Enough. Look, I
1: agree with you. I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think if that had come to him on his left foot from the other angle, mm-hmm. uh, from the other wing, he might have got, he might have got it. But it came to him from the left, so he had to just take mm-hmm. his right foot out. And look, we know Roberto Carlos. He has no control absolutely on that, that's like that's like his, his standing <laughs> foot. He, he does absolutely nothing with it.
0: Well, he helped Nigeria out that day with it, um, Colin, and for that I'm sure we're all thankful. But it, it, but seven seven minutes after that, it's two one to Brazil.
1: Certainly, and again, you know, it was just some um, how would I say just some um, crazy Nigeria switching off, you know, as usual, mm. and the ball gets in, it gets fired. Ronaldo, I think, fires it in. The goalkeeper parries it straight into the path of Bebeto. I doubt he has ever scored an easier goal in his life. <laughs> and again- but
2: the extraordinary thing is that there's Bebeto and another Brazilian coming in on it. There's no Nigerian anywhere yeah. near. Yeah. Where where have they gone? Like <laughs> I mean it, it's a kind of goal you see sort of five minutes into injury time when it when you know when a team's chasing a, the win and then they get caught on the break. Mm. For that to happen midway through the first half with the score at one-one, mm.
0: it's just bizarre. <laughs> I just can't work out where they've all gone. Like, I'm glad you said that because I was watching it thinking, Yeah, it's it's 27 minutes in, you know, they they've got themselves back into the game. They're aware of the attacking talent Brazil have. And I mean, again. But better, he won the World Cup two years previous. You know, he d- there to just sort of nudge the ball home from from a few yards out, and then ten minutes later, um, it's three one. Flavio Concesal scores uh, a- another one. Colin, I mean, it was, uh, I suppose, from Brazil's point of view, it was a- it was a better goal than a better move.
1: Oh yes, yeah, certainly. Oof, that was an amazing goal, and mm. I-, I think what got me most about that goal was that you know Consiseau beat Uche Kichuku, who was arguably our best defender at the time, but at the senior level, one of the overage players um, called into the team. And so, I mean, the gentle giant, like we call him, was one of the better defenders. And Kostosal just got through him like he wasn't even there, you know, Mm -hmm. just got it. So he he was like wrong side. I mean, he should have been goal side of the the ball. He wasn't. And it was just, I mean, it was a beautiful goal from a neutral point of view, from a Brazil point of view, but from a Nigeria point of view, he wasn't such a great goal.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's well summed up there.
2: <laughs> but but it is a beautiful goal. I mean, Janino with <laughs> the outside of his right foot, but better chest off. Mm. And and okay, Flavio Contasao gets yeah, get gets in behind uh Chukwu, But it's it's still yeah, the the build up to it is is glorious. Mm. Yeah, the outside of the foot pass, but but the chest I mean, sort of uh, normally you think of a chest off, it's sort of just chesting down somebody he here he actually sort of flicks it with his chest mm. almost played into him and he, he bounces it off his chest. So it's a it's it's a aesthetically it's a really beautiful goal even if defensively it's it's disappointing.
0: Yeah, and, and and 3-1, you know, to score two goals in reasonably quick succession, um Colin, the way Brazil celebrated that goal as well. It did feel like yeah, you know, the samba boys are here. This is their game. And it co- kind of perhaps goes into your point um that you mentioned earlier that later on in the game they they withdrew um I forget who, I think it was Ronaldo and Janinho. Gen- um, yeah,
2: Janinho Gen- goes off for Rivaldo after 67 minutes. And R- Ronaldo's taken off, I think, five minutes from time for Savio. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, it's that Rivaldo for Janinho substitution, which really seems to tip the game.
0: Yeah, and without getting ahead of ourselves. It, it, again, it did feel, Colin, that when that third goal went in with those celebrations, it felt like, oh yeah, this is this is Brazil's game now.
1: Oh yeah, certainly. I mean... For those of us watching at home, you look at it three one against Brazil, and they they are bringing in Rivaldo, and you're thinking, holy crap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it did feel like it was done and dusted because I mean, at that point, you're thinking there's no way Brazil don't score another goal, and where how are we going to come back from two goals mm-hmm. down against the mighty Brazil? You know, especially when you look at some of the tardy mm. defending that had been going on um, that led to. Um, all of the other goals, so I, I think it was um, fair to say that you know things were looking pretty dire. But then, from nowhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that second goal came. I think it was um, I don't know. I think it was Terrible West who won the ball in midfield, and it was a bit of a back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. because um, Nigeria were attacking down the right hand side, we lost the ball, and then on a the counter, Brazil are going forward again, and we're thinking, oh. Here they come again, and then Taribo just steps and nicks the ball off of from I think I'm, I'm not sure whether it was Juninho or um, uh, Bebeto. So nicks the ball off him right in the center circle, and then starts um, an attack that goes all the way in. And Iqbeba just you know rifles it in from 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 the left side. I mean, Amokachi just sort of like almost the same way that uh, that Bebeto made the pass for Brazil's mm-hmm. third goal. You know, Amokachi just you know kind of does like a, a no look pass out to the wide to the left side for um, Ipeba and he just. Absolutely belted in, and yeah. oh my goodness, pandemonium broke out in Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it was a lovely strike, uh, Jonathan, into the corner.
1: Yeah, and, then, and there'd been the
2: missed penalty before that as well, hadn't it? So, oh yeah, so oh, yeah,
1: I think yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it was
0: S- uh, yeah, the missed penalty was before three two.
2: Yeah, the missed penalty was a
1: three
0: yeah. one.
2: Amakachi is tripped by Aldair Maybe he falls down somewhere in the vicinity of Aldair Uh huh. Um, and then JJ Kotcher hits a terrible penalty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For for a for a player, I don't know. What, if you're that good a footballer, why would you, why would you, why would you try and Sean Dice straight down the middle? <laughs>
1: no, at that point, at that point, everybody was thinking, okay, now we're done. I mean, like, there's yeah. no way we're coming back. You, yeah. you you don't miss a penalty in a mm-hmm. game of this nature against Brazil and come back. So we just thought, you know what, now we're done. I, I think I remember. Now you mention it, some guys just packing up and going home at that point. In, really, like, you know, really? We're, we're not doing, Yeah, because you know, remember, this was uh, 1996, you didn't have cable um, predominantly yeah, suppose, everywhere. Yeah. So you had to go to um, either friends' houses to watch or some like crazy place. And this was in the middle of the night in Nigeria. People had stayed mm. up, you know, it was like way in the middle of the night just to watch um, this game and this thing happens and everybody, just, some guys were like, you know what, okay, I'm done. Let me go grab my beauty sleep.
0: Yeah. I. I uh, f- what a shame for those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Callum,
1: what what
2: um what how much difference do you think the two substitutions made? So Victor Egg mm. coming on for Aminike at half time and then what well, sixty-eight minutes, so uh ten minutes before the before Iqpabe's goal, you have Fatusi coming on for Babangida. W- was that just fresh legs or was that tactical? I mean how how significant do you think they were?
1: Uh, well, um, okay, so here's the thing. I'm um, was more of a winger you know, Iqbeba was more of a wide forward, so to speak. So at Monaco, Ikpeba played more centrally, while Amunike was more of your, um, you'd say, a traditional winger who gets wide and then, you know, comes back. So I think Ikpeba was the more... In fact, there were two attacking substitutions because Fatusi was also uh, more a very direct player as opposed to Babangida, whose pace had been nullified uh, throughout the game. So um, Fatusi was a bit more crafty, a bit more direct same thing Pep's also was more direct so i think what Bonfrey wanted or at the time was just to get you know more bodies pinning brazil back and just getting them um in their in, in their area and, and just trying to get the ball as quickly as possible from back to front
2: mm. yeah and it clearly works the big but gets the gets the second goal and then fatucey plays a huge part in in the third and fourth so i mean it, it, it it's a bit it, it can sometimes be a bit simplistic just because a substitute scored a goal or, or assisted a goal. But, yeah, it clearly, I think I think you're right, I think it did sort of change the dynamic of the game. It made Brazil have, have to defend more, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, how, how crucial was... I mean, we've mentioned his name a few times, but... Uh... Uh, Joe Bonfré um Colin in, in all this, you know, because he obviously coached Nigeria again at, at the African Cup of Nations in two thousand where they, they lost the final penalties to Cameroon. How big a presence was he in uh, on the on the on the bench for on the bench, you know, in the in the dugout rather for Nigeria.
1: Yeah that's Bonfré Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, I mean he was huge. Now here, here's the thing about Bonfré you know, um when he was assistant to Westerhof, um to Clemens Westerhof, who as you know, was the coach who took Nigeria to um, win the AFCON in '94. There was a lot of talk um, at the time that um, Bonfrey was the one doing all of the tactical work and that um, West South was just essentially a manager of men. You know, Now, whether mm-hmm. that was true or not, is a matter that's up for debate. I mean, the two men have had their back and forth over the last few years about who was doing what. But uh, yeah, so the, the point being that Bonfrey had been around. He had coached not just uh, being assistant to Westhoff. He had coached the women's teams, and then he also now come back to manage the um, under 23s and um, was taking them this So he, he was well respected at the time within Nigerian football circles, and um, the players also trusted in him, um, whether it was just perception or not. They felt that he was tactically strong. So uh, whatever he did um, was um, you know just taken you know as gospel.
2: I mean, clearly the, the the spirit generally in the Nigeria camp was very good. I mean, there's that that story about um, the fullback operaku disappearing from a camp one day and coming back an hour later having bought a jukebox <laughs> and just sticking a jukebox in this hotel, <laughs> and, and and that being like the centre of all the socialising. So you get the sense that this really was a squad that got on very well together.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think the celebrations uh, for the third and fourth goals perhaps back that up. Uh, so. Back in the match, you know, we, we we go to the 90th minute, and and it's old Nwankwo Kanu, Jonathan, who gets the the equalising goal. A lovely finish. I'm um, not and... sure he was old at
2: this point. I mean, maybe he was. Yeah, so he well, is... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> But it's it's the type of goal that we sort of came to expect from. Kamu. Oh,
2: it's one of those goals as well. that, that kind of when you first see it, you just sort of think, yeah. oh, he took that in. Yeah, it's a brilliant finish. Yeah, yeah an yeah. absolutely brilliant finish to have. It's not just the skill of it, it's the awareness to know what was necessary mm-hmm. to do it in that moment, in the 90th minute, yeah. when you have to score against Brazil yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Olympic semi-final. Yeah. So it's a long throw from JJ Kocha. Uh, it sort of just drops in the box, and it, it's sort of... Brazil is struggling to clear it, Fatici turns on it, scuffs his shot, it goes through a, a Brazilian's legs, and it comes to Cano, who's in the six-yard box, and he flicks it up, mm. to, and then as he turns hits it on the volley and by flicking up he makes sure he gets it over Jida who's done completely <laughs> what you would expect which is throw himself at ground level at the ball <laughs> so it's an absolutely sensational the composure yeah I mean I can't think of another goal where my reaction on seeing it live to my reaction on seeing the replay of it is so different mm. in, in terms of what I thought the goal was it's a brilliant goal
1: exactly and- I, I, yep. the, the, more, the more you look at it, the more you appreciate the genius of what Kanu did in that moment. Because mm. like Jonathan said, you, this is the 90th minute. <laughs> You're, it, it's, it's, it's all or bust, you know. And then this ball is pinging around in the box. And then without even looking back, Kanu knows exactly what the goalkeeper is going to do, which is throw his body on the ground. So whether he tries to backheel it or tries to turn and smash it, he's going to come off against the goalkeeper. So just think about the nanoseconds it took for him to process all of that information and then decide the best. I mean, look, there, there was only one way that goal was going to get scored and it was the way Kanu kind of did it, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, flick it, or, you know, let it go above the goalkeeper. So while the goalkeeper is all sprawled out, he makes that half turn on the ball of his left leg and just, you know, smashes it in. There's no other way you score that goal. you know. So just to have that <laughs> yeah. intuition, that awareness, at that moment in time, to take in everything that's going around him, process it, and then come up with the best possible solution, that was pure genius, nothing else.
2: Yeah, and the technique of it is actually really hard, mm-hmm. because it's not like there's no defenders anywhere near. So if he flicked it too high, then the defenders would have had time to get in, but yeah. he doesn't. He flicks it just high enough to get it just high enough mm-hmm. that the shot goes over it's, it's a yeah, It's just a brilliant bit of skill.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and, and that,
1: I, that's the most amazing part.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine the scenes and the noise, uh, Colin, and those people who were perhaps on the on their way home, who had, who had seen the penalty miss, must have thought to themselves, "Hang on, what's going on here?" Because it, it, it was the scenes of celebration oh, oh, in the match. They
1: came right back because here's what yeah. happened: as <laughs> yeah. soon as that goal, as soon as that goal goes in, there's pandemonium on the street. People start running out, screaming, <laughs> shouting. I know, like. Three young men who ran out of the house naked, like absolutely stuck <laughs> bunkers naked. Like they, they, they run out and everybody's screaming and shouting and dancing. So even people who were asleep, who were not even watching the football, actually woke up, you know, to come and see what was going on. And it was, I mean, it was bedlam. It was absolute, total and complete bedlam when Kanu scored that goal. That's the goal that made Kanu an Nigerian legend, even before the one he scored to win the game.
0: Yeah, I, well, this is it. Um, I, I love that. Men will be men, you know. Why, why are you already naked? Do you know what I mean? I anyway, best not to go there. Um, And then, of course, the, go, the game goes to extra time. And it, it was golden goal, wasn't it? Golden uh, goal, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, golden goal. And Nigeria... With that momentum, with that good feeling, they only needed three minutes, and it's Carnu again, and it's a completely different goal to the one he just scored. <laughs>
2: I mean, the finish is brilliant, yeah,
0: but the the build up is a joke.
2: I mean, it's just uh, it's a sort of a long diagonal ball from the left. The, the build up was a two.
1: comedy of errors. That's all we can call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
2: and it just hits Fatisi on the back and drops, and that of course completely throws the defence because mm. they're not expecting. <laughs> A perfect pass with his back. Was it not a Ronaldinho back pass? Was that what it <laughs> no. was? Oh, okay. No, no, it, it hit his back as he's running away from it. And yeah, force for Cano, who I guess at that point Cano can do anything. Oh yeah. And what he does is smash it in the bottom corner.
0: Hmm. Um, had people recovered from the. The third goal uh, in in Nigeria, Colin, to compose themselves and then do a full another full fledged celebration, or was this just this was just uh, people just couldn't believe it. They thought, "Oh, I've got to have a lie down now."
1: <laughs> Barely. Some people were still out on the streets dancing around, and uh, you know when when this goal happened because look, just the thought of you know the, the, the ball the game going to extra time without Kanu goal, mm. some people felt okay, mm. we've won already. You know, so they were still out there dancing, celebrating. You had bikes doing um, donuts, you know, <laughs> on, on, on the street. And then extra time starts, <laughs> and then Kanu does that. And then they hear people shouting again from inside and coming. At it. You know, it was a golden goal. So at that point, everybody knew it was going to be golden goal. So once Kanu scored, ah, my goodness! Look, sometimes there are some things that you just can't put into words, you know. And yeah. th- 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 this is one of them because. Like everybody yeah. totally ran. It doesn't. It, it wasn't. It didn't matter who you were. You were in the streets. Yeah. You were shouting, dancing, hugging people. You know, running. Yeah. Out. Unfortunately, tragically, some people got killed because they got hit by cars and things. But, yeah. oh my word! You know, just getting out on the streets was. Um, I, I think it was the kind of experience that you never, ever, ever forget in your life.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. Again, I go back to Tariba West. He said that that at half time in the match it was a three one down and 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 they're getting beaten quite badly. He said the voices of the leaders in the team spoke up at half time He said that was crucial and 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 he said we won that match in the dressing room. It's quite an interesting thing to say Colin i mean goodness knows what was said, but quite clearly the the tactical switches that the the manager made and the players you know, the leaders in the team galvanizing the other players had the desired effect.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and I'll tell you something that, you know, I also only found out much later when I was speaking to Amokachi and um, Dosu Joseph because Dosu told me first and then I spoke to Amokachi who confirmed it. Now, apparently, the Nigerian players went into that game with a chip on their shoulders because um, they arrived, at, mm. their, their team boss arrived at the stadium first. Uh, and they were supposed to go in. And then um, the stadium officials, not to them, they had to wait. <clears throat> they had to wait for the Brazil bus, you know, to drive in first, you know, before they went in. And uh. they were mad because they were like, hang on, we our bus got here first and we should go in. And then you're telling us to wait, you know, so that Brazil can come in first, you know, because they are like a few minutes away. And we were like, so Amokachi, who was... More like the um, Kanu was the captain, but Amokachi was like one of the, the de facto leaders of the team. Amokachi said it's not going to happen, you know. So Amokachi stepped down and told them that if the Nigeria team doesn't go in, Brazil doesn't go in either. So there was a bit of a standoff going back and forth. And in the end, the Nigeria boss was allowed to <laughs> drive in before the Brazil uh, team came in. So I think the players felt that you know, there was this was sort of disrespect, you know, to them that um, mm. you're putting Brazil on this pedestal. And you're you're trying to make treat us like we don't matter. So we're going to go out on the pitch and show you that we matter and Brazil do not. So, um, and and that was what led to that dressing room um, sort of revival because they were like, look, these guys have already treated us badly. Even before the game started, they assume we are going to lose. We're going to get, you know, torn to pieces by Brazil. So we're not going to sit down here and make that come true. We're going to go out there and show them that, look, yes, we are, and we can be better than Brazil. So Mm. they were playing that game with that chip on their shoulders. So going through one down, um, at that time, they were like, you know what, we're not going to lose this game. There's no way we lose this game.
0: Mm. Yeah, what a game it was. Because, I mean, I can even remember this at school Um, in 1996, you know, pre-internet and all that kind of stuff. But I I can remember, I I remember when this happened. You know, as you say, Jonathan, it was an Olympic football match. It was pre-internet. Like, How did I, because it was such a huge result and it was such a great performance. And I can remember... um, schoolmates you know doing that funny kanu kind of dancey celebration that he did you know when that fourth went in you know this was this this had shockwaves around the world yeah so i mean
2: i remember watching watching as a student and i'm sure we didn't have any sort of real idea of the political situation in nigeria or anything but we we'd seen them at 94 world cup we'd seen yeah that that yeah the amazing group games um against argentina and against greece and then of course, yeah, they've been so close to being Italy that you know 1-0 up against 10 men when when Baggio turns it on. And so I think a lot of people had a lot of affection for them, that they, they knew they were just a very good side and a lot of fun to watch. And 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 so people were just keen to see them. And that's why they were watching the Olympics, that's why they watched them again in '98. In and so the fact that they 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 then are involved in this huge semi-final. And then of course the final as well, which isn't quite as dramatic as this game, but it's dramatic enough. You know, they they're twice behind against Argentina and still win it. Um so i i think i mean look i w- i was a student at the time i'm pretty sure we had we had no notion of the politics of nigeria or why they hadn't been at the cup of nations in in 96 or why they'd been banned for
0: for 98
2: um it was just a you know a fun side to watch and we enjoyed watching
0: them. And again, beating Argentina in, in the final column, we won't talk too much because we were focusing on the semi-finals today, but it's, again, the players in the Argentina squad, Crespo, Claudio Lopez, Ayala, Shamot, Zanetti, Almeida, Cincini, Simeone, Ortega. I mean, it goes on and on. You know, it, it, it's an unbelievable... Um, a feat that that Nigeria won this tournament. I mean, it's it's good to win any tournament, but the sides they played against.
1: I agree with you. After beating Brazil, you think, okay, we're we're top of the world, and then you look at what's in front of you. I mean, just <laughs> look at the the, the the names you just reeled up for Argentina. Yeah, that's like yeah. an all star. That's like a, a total Argentina Hall of Fame. You know, <laughs> so you're thinking, how how are they ever going to how are they ever going to beat this team? And just like. Same thing with um, Brazil, go behind early on. So it was it, it, it was just crazy. So I look this this team was um, was they just had it in them. You know they had a spine, they had character, they had skill, and then they had the talent, and they just went out there and showed it. And and, and just by the way, Jonathan, um, the ban was not just for the ninety eight tournament; it was for three tournaments. So that would have been ninety eight, two thousand, and two thousand and two tournaments so the only reason why it was now turned into a one tournament ban was because Nigeria won the Olympic Games and so mm-hmm. um Cap said okay you know what you'll miss 98 but you can play the other ones
2: yeah and then when Nigeria ended up as a co-host in 2000 exactly right? with Ghana
1: only to go and lose in the final to Cameroon
2: yeah and then semi-finals in 2002 uh which we uh, defeat uh, Senegal, is that right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, and then in two thousand and two went out there and um, in the semi final, so came back with um bronze medal and with all the shenanigans that went on, went to the World Cup. So, but anyway, I I think that ninety six was just um seminal moment for Nigerian football, and those two mm-hmm. games, those two games will live forever in history, not just in Nigerian football <laughs> but um, all around the world. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, I, I know this was obviously a great achievement and symbolically it was a, an enormous achievement for African football. But is there a strange sense that despite that, that this Nigeria side slightly underperformed? That I mean, it's so, so many great players that, that maybe the World Cup performances could have taken them slightly further. Is is that fair or am I being, being too harsh? Oh, yeah, there?
1: certainly. Warren? Look, I, I think, and again, when, when you look at it, you've got to think about all of the things that go on behind the scenes in Nigeria—the squabbling, the fighting, um, the the rows between players and officials, and all that. So, look, this this was a team that could have arguably got as far as the semi-final or even the final to work. Remember the the, the Bulgaria team they beat in '94 went yeah. all the way to the semi-final, and so yeah. this was a team that had the capacity. I mean, they had the talent, you know, to go that far. Whether it was in '94, in '98 or even if they had been allowed to in 2002, even when they were on their, um, their last legs. But you know we, we keep having these issues. And maybe it's just um, um, a reflection of African football, not just Nigeria, that when you think about it, that you have these great teams that come every now and then and they never just seem to break this World Cup ceiling. Because when you think about it, Nigeria won the, the, the gold in Olympics in '96. Cameroon who won it in in two thousand and none of those teams you know got anywhere near the um, the World Cup quarters or, or semis. So I, I think it's a, it's a sad reflection of the um, not the talent in African football but just the way that talent is managed. You know at a, at a level where if you could have some world class organization behind these talents, then who knows what is possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, the story I remember from 98, maybe you can tell me if it's true or if it's just a sort of rumour that, that Bora you a very well-known, very well-traveled coach, that he was coached going into the tournament, but he he expected to be sacked. And then Sani Abacha died just before the tournament in 98. And that sort of keeps Militinovich in the job. I mean, is is that is that true? Or is that, is that just what sort <laughs> of one of those rumours that, that you hear? Well, look,
1: the, the thing with Nigeria coaches, I mean, it, it's... Um, it's something of a rumor, but um, I haven't dug into it, So, but I won't be surprised if it's true. Because, and I'll give you an example. Um, Going into the 2010 World Cup, Amodu Shuaibu had qualified a team and he was the coach. And during the draws in South Africa, I asked the then NFF president if um, he could guarantee me that um, Amodu would be the man to take the team to the World Cup. And he said, oh, certainly there's no firing this guy. You know, he's qualified for the World Cup. He's done everything, and he's definitely taking the team to the World Cup. They get back to Nigeria, he gets fired, and then last leg back, you know, comes in. Uh, same thing happens or almost happened with Keshi, where at 2013, Afcon in South Africa, and within the first couple of games, you know, people are talking to um, uh, other coaches, and there are rumors that he's going to be fired by, before the last game. And a new coach brought in to um, take over, and then they had this long crisis meeting at the hotel that lasted for almost six to eight hours. And it turns out that I think in the end he made some calls here and there and, you know, they were ordered to leave him alone. And he goes on to win the tournament. So, yes, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. uh, Look, there's there's always, there's no smoke without fire when it comes to Nigerian football. So whether it was somebody floating a kite or just what was going to happen, you know, there was something behind it. Hmm.
0: Never a dull moment with Nigeria. And there certainly wasn't with this side, gentlemen. It was a very, very likable side who just created a little piece of history and entertained us all the way uh, in that Olympics. So, um, Colin, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about this. Thank you very much for coming on the pod. For more stories like that, do check out theblizzard.co.uk. Until next week, Jonathan and I um, uh, say cheerio and we'll be back next week with another great game from the world of football. See you then. Cheers.